okay? But we're going to look at the main characters so far, and we're going to do a review of all of them because I think that's going to help you understand the story for this morning, okay? So I have questions in your handout, okay? You can put away uh, those VBS forms for now, and you can fill them out la later. You have until May 9th to fill, fill them out, okay? So look at your handout. I have questions um, that I have in included in the beginning, and we're going we're gonna to answer them together, okay? It's kind of like uh, uh, I need, I need your, your uh, participation here. Here's the first question. How would you describe Judas, okay, since, since the beginning of, of Mark? How would you describe him? Just, just pop some answers. Yes? Faithful. Faithful or fakeful? Faithful. Fakeful is better. Yeah, F-A-K-E, fakeful. What else? Judas, think of Judas, okay? And, and, and last Sunday, right, he's starting to betray, he's starting to plan his betrayal. Yes? A spy. A spy, yeah. Kind of like, like a snake in the grass. A snake, yeah, a serpent, yeah. Shrewd, yes, Isaiah. Chameleon. Ah. <laughs> Chameleon, yes. <laughs> Greedy, okay. What else? Yeah. Selfish. Selfish, yes. Faithless, another word for faithless? Unbelieving, okay? He's all of those things, okay? But he was greedy, he was selfish, he was a chameleon, he was a snake, he was all of those things, he was faithful, he was all of those things because he was what? An unbeliever, okay? He, his, his main problem was unbelief, okay? When I say unbelief, and I'm going to say that a couple times this morning, when I say unbelief, it's, it's someone who, who does not believe in the gospel, someone who does not believe in Jesus, someone who does not believe that they are sinners, therefore they don't believe that they need to be saved, therefore they don't believe that Jesus is, going, is, is their need to be, is, is their need who's going to be saving them. So Judas was an, an unbeliever. He had unbelief in his heart. He was, yes, he was one of the 12, but, you know, as Isaiah said, he was fake, right? He was, he was a hypocrite. He was a pretender, right? He kind of wore a mask, right? The mask of a disciple, but he, wasn't, he was never really a disciple. He just followed Jesus Christ externally because he wanted things, material things, earthly things from Jesus. But at the end of the day, he was full of unbelief. Next question. How would you describe Peter during the, the Passover, Isaiah? Prideful. What else? Yes. Oh, describe that for me. Well, I mean, when Spell it first. Spell it. Hostile. H-O-S-T-I-E. Oh, hostile. Okay. So when they came to arrest Jesus, he was like, he like protected Jesus. In the Passover, we're going to get there. So <laughs> describe Peter during the Passover meal. Remember last Sunday, right? Passover, communion, upper room, right? Yes. A servant. A servant? <laughs> oh, assertive. Okay. Thought. Okay. Yes. Prideful. What else? Be now 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 let's take prideful and just kind of start narrowing it, narrowing it that uh, narrowing that down. Yes. Self-centered, Sarah? Ignorant? Unbelieving. What else? Remember remember what Remember what, um, what Jesus told the disciples, right? He said, disciples, listen. Okay, we're, we're sitting at the table. We're having a meal together. Listen to me. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet named Zechariah. 
okay, long, long time ago, and he said that God is going to strike me, and, and you guys will what? Will scatter, okay? I'm saying that as Jesus, as God. I'm quoting the Old Testament, God's word, my Father's word, and that's a prophecy, and it's going to happen eventually. That's what Jesus was telling them. That's why, that, that's why he was getting their attention. And then what did Peter say? Yes, Katie. Okay. I never will. And we can call that what? He was what? Self-righteous. What else? Not me. I will never do that. Self-confident. Right? Self-trust is also a sin. That's good. Self, self-trust, self-confident, self-righteous. Um, probably more, you know, he was, he was definitely being prideful, but specific was that he was being self-confident. Right? I, not me, Jesus. The 11, they will do that. They will do that, but not me. That doesn't apply to me. That prophecy in Zechariah does not apply to me because I'm better than these people. I will never deny you. I will never fall away. Even, I, even, if, even if I have to die with you, I will never forsake you. That's what Peter kept saying, right? He was self-confident. Okay, next question, number three. How would you describe Jesus in the garden? Okay, we're gonna go, so now we're going from from uh, the upper room, right, Passover, communion, and then they left, remember they left late at night, and then, and then they started walking, and they arrived in the garden, right, Gethsemane, right, olive garden, olive press, right, late at night, how would you describe Jesus in, in that moment? Yes, Jacob. Terrified? Terrified? Yes, Pookie. What's that? Weary? Weary? Yes. Distress, Ryan? She took it. Yeah. Sorrowful, that was yours, yeah. Anxious, yes, Sarah. Devastating, devastated. What else? I mean, he, they were. It was late at night, right? They've had a long day, right? They prepared for the Passover. They had to take the lamb. You know, send the two guys. You know, prepare the lamb, sacrifice the lamb, cook the meal. Passover late at night, and and that was a long dinner. And then they had to walk to the garden, and he was exhausted, right, right, late at night, probably close to early morning. And instead of resting, instead of sleeping, he said, this, might, this, this could very be my last night, so this is what I'm going to do. Yes, Rachel. I think he was grieved and also, like, disappointed in his disciples, you know, the whole, like, when they fell asleep. Yeah, when they kept falling asleep. Yeah, what, what, uh, what did he do? He prayed, right? He prayed. I, I, know, I know I'm kind of splitting here a little bit here, but, but trust me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out in the story that we're going to read, and you're going to start connecting the dots. and like, oh, okay. If I do that, then that's what happens. If I do that, that's what happens, right? So Jesus in the garden, yes, he was feeling all of those things emotionally, right, deep down in his heart and his soul, but what, what did he do in the garden Pretty much the whole time, Pray. he prayed, right? He prayed. Three times, he took a break to check on the disciples, and he kept saying, you know, for an hour, for an hour. So we can assume that he, he was in prayer for how long? At least for how long? Three for three hours, late at night, right? And he was praying so that he can submit his will to, who, to whose will? To his Father's will, so that he can drink the what? the cup, because he knew that the hour was what? Coming. 
You guys, you guys remember, good job, Isaiah. The hour is coming, right? He didn't, he didn't really want to go through the hour because he knew that that would be the suffering uh, that's going to come from, from God. And he was asking if there's another way instead of drinking the cup. He knew how horrible that cup was, right? Because he was gonna, it, was gonna, it, it meant that he was going to be forsaken by his father, right? It meant that he's going to know sins and he, it meant that he's going to bear all of those sins and pay for all of them. So what did he do? He prayed so that his will would be under his father's will, so that his heart would be an obedient heart, so that he can get up after that long prayer and say, okay, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to, to fulfill my father's will, and I'm ready to obey all the way to the cross. Why? Because he prayed. Number four, question. Last question. How would you describe the disciples in the garden? Yes, Lauren. Disobedient? Uh, tired and unfaithful? Tired and unfaithful? Yes, Katie? Prayerless. Remember, Jesus got up, took a break from his prayer, long prayer. He went to the disciples, and what were they doing? Instead of? Which was his command to them right in the beginning, right? They got to the garden, right? He left, uh, he left um, testing my math here, he left eight, no, seven. Because Judas had been gone, had, had, had left by now. So he leaves seven at the gate, right? And then he goes in a little bit further in the garden, right? He leaves the three at a location, right? Peter, James, and John. And what did he tell Peter, James, and John? Yeah, keep watch and, and pray. Why? Why did they need to pray? Why did they need to pray? Just like random prayers? Why did they need to pray? What did they need to pray for? There you go. So that they will not fall into temptation. What do you think was the temptation that was really strong in that time, in that moment? The temptation to what? Yes. To sleep? What else? Yes. To leave your Savior, to abandon Him, to deny Him. I mean, Judas just did it. Right? That's the temptation that they're facing and, and now Jesus is shepherding them, you know, setting them up for success because he's a shepherd. He's, he's, their, he's their discipler. He's their savior. He says, hey, guys, I'm going to go and pray. I need to line up my will under my father's will so that I can obey his plan for salvation. I'm going to leave you three here, Peter, James, and John. You guys need to keep watch, you know, just in case Judas shows up. But I want you to stay up. I want you to be awake so that you can be praying also so that you do not fall into the same temptation that Judas, Judas just fell into. This is crucial for you disciples. You need to be in prayer. Because if you do not spend time in prayer, you're going to end up doing the same thing. So, so yeah, we can say that, that the disciples were, were prayerless. The total opposite of Jesus, Jesus kept praying. The disciples kept not praying praying they kept sleeping right their desire for rest their desire for sleep sleep was a lot stronger way much stronger than their desire to believe Jesus when he says hey guys temptation's coming you need to be praying ah sure sure but I'm gonna take a nap here for a little bit so that was that was the the disciples so again Judas was what one word 
Unbeliever, right? He had unbelief in his heart. The, um, the uh, Peter, what did we call Peter? Self-confident, right? Uh, Jesus in the garden, prayerful. The rest, rest of the disciples in the garden, prayerless. Okay, you guys, you guys remember? Um, so let's look at this story then. Okay, in Mark, Mark chapter 14. So remember, they're in the garden, Jesus in the 11. Judas is gone. He's doing his thing, getting ready for the, the, betray, the betrayal. So here's the next story, chapter 14, look at verse 43. Immediately while he was still speaking, okay, that's Jesus, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs, who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he, who, now he who was betraying him, that's Judas, had given them, okay, the, the crowd, a signal saying, okay, who, whomever, who, whomever I kiss, he is the one, okay, he's the one. Seize him and lead him away under guard. After coming, Judas immediately went to him, to Jesus, saying, Rabbi, or, or teacher, or master, and he kissed him. Verse, verse 46, they they, lay, they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me, as you would against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But, but this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures. And they all left him and fled. We'll forget who those all are. Verse 51, A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him too. But he pulled free of the linen sheet and, es and escaped naked. Okay? I know I just read the story to you guys, and I'm sure what's on your mind right now is those last two verses. <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> what in the world is going on there? Um, and we'll get there. You know, only Mark records that, right? Uh, Matthew does not record that. Uh, Luke and John, they don't record that. But we'll get there. I think it'll make sense. Again, um, that's, why, that's why it's so important to know how those main characters have been doing lately, especially in the garden, especially in the upper room, because now we're going to start seeing what's going to come out out of those things that we described, okay? So, if you noticed, Mark touched on every character we just talked about right? Um, the person who cut off the ear, that's Peter, okay? If you're looking for Peter there, that's Peter, okay? I'll, I'll, show, I'll show that to you later. He touched, he touched on Judas, right? He touched on Jesus, right? And he also touched on the rest of the disciples. So think back to those four questions that we spent time answering, okay? How we describe those four main characters, and then just think back to uh, what jumped out of the, the story that we just read, Here's the question. What, what do you think then is the lesson okay, that Mark is trying to teach us this morning? Think back to those answers. Judas was this. Peter was this. Jesus was this. The disciples were this. And then we just read the story. Everything, uh, everyone was in this story. And then after this story, they're all gone.
So what do you think? What do you think is Mark trying to teach us? Yes, Pookie. Be faithful to the Savior, faithful to the Savior. yes. You need, you need to. Consequences of what we sow. Okay? And I, I see some faces. That's fine. That's fine. I was like that too in the beginning when I was studying this. I'm like, okay, what is the main point of Mark? Why, why, is he, why is he touching on every main character, telling us what they ended up doing before Jesus was taken away? And then I was thinking, okay, well, how, how, how have they been performing spiritually lately? And then I started connecting the dots. Okay, you, you, if you, you reap what you sow. Yes, Jacob, you have it? Say it again a little bit louder. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, they all, they all fell away and fled. Yep. So I think what Mark is teaching here, guys, is that whatever you do today will always, okay, listen to me, will always have future consequences tomorrow. Okay? Whatever you do today, okay, whatever you... Whatever you you sow in your heart, whatever, whatever you believe today, what, however you act today will have a future consequence tomorrow. I don't mean literally like tomorrow on Monday, but eventually down the road. Okay, so I believe this is about uh, sowing and reaping. Again, after this, Jesus is going to be all by himself, all the way to the cross, all by himself. Those characters that we just talked about, they're gone. Right, so this is kind of their last uh, act, their last performance, and all of them failed. Now you, that begs the question: How? Why? They were with Jesus, right? They were with Jesus, and then after this, Jesus is alone. He's taken. He's taken away, and he's and he's led to this place, into those people, and then all the way to the cross. All those guys are gone. So you need to ask the question, okay, what made them <laughs> do that, right? What did they believe since they won, okay, about Jesus, about themselves that contributed to their failure right here? So it's about sowing and reaping. You always reap what you sow, students, Okay, what you believe today about Jesus Christ, what you believe today about the gospel, about God, how, what, how, you, how, you, uh, how you think about yourself, what you think about yourself, all of those things have future consequences if you don't deal with them today. Okay, this is not, oh, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Yes, it's Resurrection Sunday. I'm not a Christian. You know, it's kind of a special thing. But you know what? Next year, there's another Resurrection Sunday. You know, maybe I'll listen to the gospel next year. All those things are compounding, and then they all have future consequences, as we're going to see right here in this story. So, so I've, I've broken this up into four sections, okay, four consequences, okay, four varying or four different consequences of spiritual sowing and reaping. Okay, sowing and reaping is from like the agriculture, you know, you, you, you sow a seed and you reap a, a plant and the fruit from that plant, right? Um, the point is that whatever seed you, you planted, it's going gonna, it's gonna to produce that plant and those fruit. 
So that's sowing and reaping, if, uh, if, it's, if that's a little fuzzy. But here, it's spiritual sowing and reaping. Okay, think about your heart. Think about what you believe. Think about what you think. Okay, those things are going to grow up into something, and then you are going to reap the consequences of those things. Here we see four different consequences. So number one, sow unbelief. Okay, so this is who in the story? Judas. Here's what you're going to reap. Eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. So unbelief, reap eternal punishment. Verses 43 through 46. Okay, look at verse 43. Immediately while he was still speaking, again, that's Jesus, to his disciples, right? Why they're, why, why they're um, asleep and not... Hello. There you go. Thank you, James. So, so here, he's called one of the twelve. He came up, okay, Judas came up, accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. So, so this is not a surprise to Jesus, right? This is not a surprise to Jesus. He knew that this was going to come. He knew that Judas, Judas was going to be his betrayer. And now he's here with a huge crowd of people. Now, Luke and John... Okay, they, they wrote the same story, the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John, said that this crowd was, was composed of, of three main groups. Okay? They, they, they said that, that there are temple, uh, temple police officers. Remember the temple, right? Uh, this big building for worship. Uh, so they had their own temple police officers. So that's one group of people. Second group of people was their, their, um, their Roman a Roman cohort, and a, and a cohort, they say, is from 600 to 1,000 Roman soldiers, right? And then all of the crowd who happened to be there in the middle of the night. So you're talking about, you know, I don't know, 2,000, maybe more people. Okay, this is a huge crowd, okay? But you have the religious leaders, you have the temple police officers, you have the Roman cohort, and they're all right there, and, and Judas was leading them, and they're about to take Jesus away. 
Okay? So now, now before they get there, though, Judas pre-planned the whole thing, how it's all going to go down. Look at verse 44. Verse 44, this, this is Judas' plan. Now, he who was betraying him, that's Judas. Now, it's switched, right? He was one of the twelve, and then now he's called the one who's betraying him. Had given them, okay, that the temple police officers and the Roman cohort, had given them a signal saying, okay, here's a signal, guys. Listen to me. Before we get there, here's, the, here's what we're going to do. Whomever I kiss, he is the one, okay? Meaning that's Jesus, meaning that's the person you're, you're going to take away. Seize him after I kiss him and lead him away under guard. So remember, it was already late at night, okay? Midnight, past midnight, it was dark. And you also have hundreds and thousands of people right there. So, so just, just, just very crowded. And the temple police officers and the Roman cohort, they, they weren't like, you know, our SWAT team police officers today and our, our Navy SEAL uh, soldiers today. They didn't have night vision. They didn't have you know, face recognition devices. So, so they, they, they wouldn't have known right, in, right away where Jesus was and who Jesus was. So, so Judas, okay, Judas had this, this plan, this signal. Okay, I'm, we're going to show up and I'm going I'm, I'm to go up to this person, Jesus. I'm going to give him a greeting, a kiss, and you guys take him. That's him. So that's, that's what happens. Look at verse 45. Judas executes his plan. Verse 45, after coming to the garden, Judas immediately went to him, to Jesus, saying, Rabbi, that means teacher, you know, just uh, showing respect, but, but fake respect. You know, he's being a hypocrite, saying, Rabbi, and he kissed him. That's his signal, right? That's his signal. And back then, you know, it would have been on the hand or on the cheek or on the hem of their garment, and, and this was a show of honor and respect from a, from a student to a teacher or from a teacher to a student. So this was common. This was common. So, so he does that. That's his signal. Look at verse 46. They laid hands. They is the, the, the soldiers and the police officers. They laid hands on Jesus and they seize him. They take him away. They take him away. Again, here's, here's the main point here. Judas sowed what in his heart since day one? Unbelief, okay? And remember, unbelief is to not believe the gospel, to not believe Jesus Christ is the Savior, which also means that to believe that you're not a sinner, which means that you don't believe that you need to be saved, okay? And that you're okay, okay? That you're, that you're hey, I'm, I'm a f- kind of a follower of Jesus. I go to church. Right? I'm kind of a, a follower of Jesus because I'm with other Christians. That's unbelief. And Judas showed that in his heart. And what did he reap? Eternal punishment. It doesn't say it here, but this is the last time that Mark mentions uh, Judas in, in the Gospel of Mark. But you, you can read it in, in Matthew's Gospel and also in the beginning of, of Acts that he would eventually what be grieved by what he did. Right? But we know that that's not, uh, that's not um, sorrow that leads to repentance, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. That's fake. We, we do that all the time, right? Sometimes we feel bad for the sin that we commit. Sometimes we feel bad for the consequences that that sin brought to, to, to us. So we, we grieve, we're saddened, we're sorrowful, we even cry. Not because, of the, not because we hate sin like God hates the sin, just because we hate that we got caught. We hate for the consequence. We, we hate the consequence. 
That's what Judas felt at the end of his life, right? So what did he end up doing? He ended up hanging himself, taking his own life, and he's paying now for that eternal punishment for all eternity. This happened 2,000 years ago, and guess what? Judas is still paying for that punishment. And do you think, do you think he's put a dent on that eternal punishment or, or even scratched the surface of it? No. No. Why? Because of his unbelief. And, and what's interesting about, about Judas is that he covered his unbelief with hypocrisy. He was a hypocrite, okay, a mask wearer. He wore the mask of a disciple when he wasn't really a disciple. So he had unbelief in his heart, and people did not know it. Jesus did, right? But the eleven did not know it because he was a hypocrite. But at the end of the day, right here, Jesus took his mask off. He's like, he's not really a disciple. He's not really a true Christian. He's an unbeliever. And then after he died, he started paying for his sin, for, for the punishment for all eternity. So here's the lesson. Here's the first lesson. Under this uh, point number one, the lesson that you guys, that I want you guys to take away from Judas is this. Confess your unbelief now because you may never have tomorrow. Okay, confess your unbelief now. Remember, I, when we say unbelief, it means you don't believe the gospel. You don't believe Jesus Christ is the Savior. You don't believe, therefore, that you're a sinner which makes you not believe that you need to be saved, which assumes that you believe that you are okay, that you're doing okay spiritually, which assumes that, that, that you're fine, that you're going to be okay. If you die tomorrow, that you're going to be okay, that, that, if you, that if something happens in a month, that you're going to be just fine because you believe the opposite. So listen to me. Confess your unbelief now, okay, today. Because you may never have tomorrow. Judas ended up killing himself. And remember, guys, he covered that unbelief with what again? Hypocrisy. Meaning that Judas can come in here right now and go to church just like you guys, talk Christianity just like you guys, and even act Christianity just like you guys, but he can cover that with unbelief and you wouldn't have never known about it unless Jesus unmasked that person. Do you think that's possible in here? Let's, let's put Judas out. You know, Judas is not in this room. Do you think we can have a Judas in this room? Yeah. Yeah. So if you are an unbeliever and you're just covering it with hypocrisy, learn from the lesson here from Judas. You may never have tomorrow, so what do you do? You confess that now. You go to the Lord now. You pray to Him now. You talk to me. You talk to your leaders now. And we would love to talk to you about that because you don't want to end up where Judas ended up. He sowed unbelief and he reaped eternal punishment. Number two, so self-confidence, so this is who? Peter, I will never deny you. The 11, oh yeah, they will, of course, those knuckleheads. It will happen to them. Zechariah was actually talking about them, but Zechariah is not talking about me. I will never do that. Right? He's like the me monster. You know, just me, me, I, you know, so great. He was so self-confident. 
So so, so self-confidence, here's, here's what you're going to reap. Guaranteed, okay, 100% all the time guaranteed failure. Okay, failure. I mean, that was Peter, so self-confident from day one, right? He just relied on himself from day one, and he always what? Failed. I mean, this is not, this is not his, his final failure, right? When they take Jesus away, you know, we're, we're going to get to that section. When they, when they take Jesus away, he's going to follow Jesus, and he's just going to keep failing and failing and failing. Why? Because of his self-confidence, right? And then the rooster crows, and he was re- re- reminded that he just relied on himself, and it always ended up, to failure. Look at verse 47. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. So Mark leaves these two guys unnamed, okay? The, the person who drew out his sword and the slave who got his ear cut off, okay? They're unnamed in Mark. But, but in John, he names them, and this is Peter, okay? The disciple Peter, okay? The leader of the twelve, and then the slave, his name was Malchus, okay? So Peter probably tried to cut off Malchus', Malchus head off. That's, that's what I'm assuming. I don't think he was so precise, right, that he, he was just aiming for the earlobe or for, or for something, right? I don't think that was the case. I think he was ready to kill this person, right? And people, and people were saying, oh, he, he was just trying to protect Jesus. Yeah, may, maybe. I think, I, I think there's some passion there to, okay, let's, let's get this going. You guys are not going to take my, my, my master. Maybe, maybe that's there. But I think what, what was in Peter's heart was just this self-confidence that I'm going to take things into my own hands. I am Peter. I am the leader of the 12. Yeah, Jesus, he's been praying. He's been, he's been sweating blood. He, he looks so sorrowful. He's grieving. I, I am the guy. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, stepping, I'm stepping up front. I'm going to protect him. And he was just full, just dripping with self-confidence. So he was ready to kill someone. And I think Malchus was able to dodge it, right? And then Peter just happened to nick his ear off. Um, but also later on in John, uh, Jesus would end up healing uh, his, ear back, uh, his ear back on. So here's the point again. Okay, Peter sowed self-confidence, and, and we started hearing this since the beginning, especially, especially in, in, uh, in, during the Passover meal. Right? Jesus, the Lord, was speaking. He was quoting an Old Testament passage, a prophecy, meaning it was a promise that would one day be fulfilled. And that was God's word, his father's word. So you have Jesus speaking, you have God the Father speaking, you have Zechariah the prophet speaking, you're inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking. I mean, you cannot be any more 100% that this thing is really going to happen. And Peter just completely denied it. And what did he resort to? What did he resort to? His own self-confidence relied on himself. And then you can see it here. You can see where that took him. He, 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 he was so impressed with himself that he was willing and ready to take things into his own hands. So here's the lesson for you, students, from Peter. Forsake your self-confidence now because it always ends in failure. 
okay? It always ends in failure. When, when you guys are thinking about the next thing, okay, what the Lord wants you to do from His Word, or, or maybe even the what-ifs and the unknowns of tomorrow or next month or the next season of your young life, when you're thinking about those things and they're starting to weigh heavy on you, okay, let's say it's from God's Word, He has a command for you, and you're like, oh, how am I going to do that? Or maybe it's an unknown, a what if of tomorrow or the next season, college maybe, or, or whatever is next, and you're like, oh, how am I going to handle that? If you do not rely on Jesus, okay, Mark, Mark's word, you are going to end up relying on who? On yourself. And it always leads to what? Failure. Failure. When it comes to dealing with trials, when it comes to killing sin, you really, you're, you're really doing one of the two things. Number one, you're either, you're either trusting in the Lord, right, and killing sin and dealing with trials in the way that's pleasing to Him, or you're taking things into your own hands, which always ends in failure. You, you're going to hear this all the time, okay? You're going to hear this all the time. Oh, you just need to be yourself. You need to be so confident, right? You need, you, 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 you're actually better than what you think, right? You need to love yourself first before you can love others, right? You can do anything you put your mind into. You're going to hear that. I'm sure you've heard that. But, you know, Peter was that, and he always ended up failing Jesus Christ all the way to the end. Because why? He was so self-confident. So listen, guys. You, the Lord has given you um, natural strengths. The Lord has given you spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, I get that. We're all made in, in, the, in the image of God. But to say, oh, I can do everything and I can rely on myself. I am so, so self-trusting and, and, and self-reliable that I can do anything. That's sin. You will end up failing the Lord. You will end up failing people. Why? Because you're going to end up taking things in your own hands. If you have, think about it. If, if, you, have a, if you have parents who are, who are being unreasonable, right? You, you, either, you, either, you either say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to obey authority. I know that your word says honor and obey my parents, but they're being so unreasonable. How can I do both? Instead of, instead of, saying, instead of saying that, okay, I need to just obey. I just need to put my will under your will. I just, need, I just need to honor and obey my parents. Instead of saying that, what you end up doing is, ah, I can do this. I'm going to take things in my own hands. I'm going to show my parents what it's going to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take revenge. Right? I'm going to be disrespectful just so they know that they, that they should never do that to me again. That's taking things into your own hands. That's self-confidence. You know what's that going to happen? What's going to lead to? Failure. There are lots of examples. Here's, here's the third consequence. Look at number three. So prayerfulness, okay, so prayerfulness reap a trusting heart. A trusting heart. Verse 48, and Jesus said to them, 
okay, to the to the temple police officers and the Roman soldiers. Have you guys come out with swords and clubs, you know, you're carrying all those things, to arrest me, to take me away, to seize me, as you would against a robber? You know, someone who, who's, probably the word is better translated, someone who's going to cause an uprising, you know, a riot. Have you guys really come, come to do that? Verse 49, every day I was with you in the temple teaching, okay, in, in broad daylight, in the middle of the day, Right? Yet you did not seize me. You didn't do it then. Why? Why are you coming now with thousands of people in the middle of the night, right, with your spy Judas with you? How, why, why would you do that now when for, for, for a few years I was with you? I was, I was in your town. I was in your city. I was even in your temple teaching, and you guys didn't do it then. Why? And he, he, he answers it, right? He says, but this has taken place, okay, what's about to happen, the seizing of Jesus, the betrayal of Jesus, that's already happened, but the... the, the the seizing of Jesus by these people, this thing is going to take place to fulfill the scriptures. Again, he just keeps going back to what his father had already predicted in the Old Testament. This is happening right now. This is presently, currently going down because this is exactly what my father had already pre-planned long time ago. And remember, it, that, was, that wasn't easy for Jesus, right, to, to die on the cross, to bear my sins, to bear your sins, right, to be forsaken by, by his Father. That wasn't an easy thing for him. That's why he prayed so much in the garden, right? But then when he was able to submit his will to his Father's will, when he was, when he was able to say, okay, I, I will obey. Let, let us get up. My betrayer is at hand, I'm, meaning I'm, I'm ready to go. When he was willing to do that, he had a heart that was trusting. You know, Peter would later on say that Jesus did not revile, right? He did not, he didn't, he didn't do what Peter was, was trying to do here, right? Trying to get all violent and trying to, and trying to save his, his life. Jesus did not do that. He didn't revile. He didn't seek revenge, right? What did he do? He kept entrusting himself to who? To God and he explains who that God is who judges righteously, meaning he knows everybody, meaning he knows every intent of every heart. That means that no sin is left unpunished, meaning that no one suffers unjustly, meaning that no one ever gets away, even these people who are about to seize him. So he said, I entrusted myself, I entrusted my life, I entrusted my soul to my Father because he knows all things and he judges everything perfectly. So Peter, don't get all violent, right? My betrayer is at hand. And this is happening because scriptures said it would happen. He was able to trust his father. So here's the lesson that you guys need to get from Jesus. The more you pray, it's pretty simple, the more you'll be able to entrust things to Jesus, they kind of go hand in hand, right? The more you pray, the more you'll be able to entrust things to Jesus. If you're struggling to let, let things go, <laughs> okay? Maybe you didn't get a job that you wanted. Maybe you didn't get the scholarship that you wanted. Maybe, whatever it may be. If you're having a hard time letting those things go, it's because you're not praying. It's because you're not praying. You're trying to take things into your own hands like Peter did. 
Jesus did want something, right? He wanted the hour to pass. He wanted the cup to pass. He did have desires that, that were different than his father, but, but through prayer, his will eventually submitted to the father's will and he eventually obeyed. So it's the same for, for you today. If you have something that's just so hard to, to swallow because it's so difficult, okay, something that, that, that you can't control, you thought you could control it, but you can't, and now it's falling out of the place, right? You just need to let that go. How, how do you let that go? How do you entrust that to the Lord? You, you pray. It's a simple lesson. That's what Jesus did. He kept on praying. He entrusted himself. He entrusted his life. He entrusted his future. He entrusted his soul to him who judges righteously. He knew that after three days, he would be raised again. Last one here. Last consequence of spiritual reaping, sowing and reaping. So prayerlessness, okay, so this is the disciples, the rest, the eleven. So prayerlessness reap a weakened faith, not a trusting heart like Jesus had, a weakened faith like the disciples, a weakened faith. Look at verse 50, and they all left him and fled. Okay, as, as, soon, as, as soon as it went down, okay, Jesus' pre-planned um, uh, signal, and then the, the soldiers and the police officers seize Jesus, right after that, right after they take him, and, buy, and probably, probably put him in shackles or something. Verse 50 says, And they all left him and fled. The all there is the disciples. They're gone. They're like, okay, this, is, this just got serious. <laughs> okay, this is just too intense for me. There's thousands of people here. And Peter, you know, is, is just, he thinks he can take things into his own hands. We're not, I, don't think we, we, I, think, I don't think we're ready to do that. But Jesus is saying, no, don't be violent. I'm, this is supposed to happen. And then the rest of the disciples, no, too dangerous, too much, too hard. You know, if they just took Jesus, they're going to take us next. So see ya. They fled. They all left Jesus and fled. And remember what Jesus just instructed them just a couple hours ago, right? In the garden, just a couple hours ago, he kept telling them to do what in the garden? To pray. Why? Why? So that they won't fall into temptation. What temptation? To leave Jesus. What happened? They left. Because they didn't do what? Prayed. See how everything connects and it's so simple, but the lessons are so important? It was too dangerous for them, too difficult for them, so they were unprepared to face the temptation because they lacked prayer. And it proved that their faith was weak. Okay, Ju Judas never had faith, never had saving faith. The 11 had saving faith, but in the moment, it was weak faith because they didn't pray. They fell into the temptation. So they had weakened faith. Look at verse 51, okay? So remember, verse 50 said, they all left and fled, right? Meaning the disciples, okay? Again, why? Because it was so dangerous for them, for anyone who would say that I'm here for Jesus, that I am a follower of Jesus, even, even if you're not one of the 12. So now verse 51 makes sense. Since everybody's leaving Jesus, right, especially the 12, it means that anyone who was present there, 
who happened to be with Jesus or a fan of Jesus, they were also leaving. Verse 51, a young man who was following Jesus, right, wearing nothing, I'll explain that, but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seize him, the, the, the temple police officers and the Roman uh, soldiers, they seize him too, verse 52, but he was able to pull free of the linen sheet and he escaped. He just ran away naked. Now, at first, again, it might be very confusing to you, and, and, and it could be, and that's fine, but I think you need to connect it to verse 50. Okay, you need to connect it to verse 50. We don't really know who this young man, young man was. John didn't record it. Luke didn't record it. Matthew didn't record it. Mark recorded it, but he didn't give, give a name. Many people are, are speculating, oh, this was Mark. This was actually Peter. Well, we don't know. Okay? I think, I think it was a young man who happened to live nearby. Remember, middle of the night, right? Mount of Olives, houses, houses in different areas, right? Thousands of people, right? Trying to take Jesus away. So I think this was a young man sleeping in his linen sheet, bed, bed sheet, comforter, right, at night. And then he probably, he probably heard all the ruckus going on outside and he, he, he's heard of Jesus before, right? So he came out, you know, just kind of grabbed his linen sheet and then, and then got out there, what's going on here? And then as soon as he got there, you know, Peter was doing his thing and the soldiers and the temple police officers just took Jesus away and then the, the, the 11 fled and everybody's fleeing, right, who happened to be a follower of Jesus in the moment. And he's like, I'm out of here too. And they happened to grab him, just grab the sheet, and then he unraveled, and he just took off. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I don't think it's Mark. I don't think it's Peter. I don't think, we don't know who it was, but he was there. But Mark, Mark included it to make verse 50 really clear and strong. They all, okay, everybody, Okay, who said, I'm here for Jesus. I am a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Everybody left Jesus, and they all fled. They all took off. Why? Because their faith was weak. It's as simple as that. That's, I think, the, the best diagnosis that you can give all those people. They had weakened faith, but specifically for the 11, they had weakened faith because they were prayerless. So here's the last lesson, guys. The lesson from the disciples. The less you pray, again, it's, I'm trying to make this really just black and white, hopefully really practical and helpful for, for you. The less you pray, like the disciples, okay, the less you pray, the less you'll be able to fight what? Temptations. Temptations. As simple as that. The less you pray, the less you'll be able to fight temptations. Which... Which, uh, which, if you put it on the flip side, as, as prayerlessness rise, temptations what? Rise or decrease? Rise, right? As prayerlessness rise, temptations also rise, right? So if, you, if you're facing a temptation, whatever that may be, okay, whatever that may be, whether it's, it's, Impurity, immorality, anger, you know, not submitting to authority, whatever it may be, right? That temptation is going to become stronger and stronger. And if you're wondering why it's getting stronger and stronger, the first thing you need to check is if you're praying about it or not, right? The disciples, 
heard Jesus tell them to pray three times, and they did not pray three times. Surprise, surprise, when things got really tough, the temptation to fall away and leave Jesus was much stronger than staying. It proved that they had weak faith. So guys, you are, I'm sure you are facing all kinds of temptations. Yes, we can talk about practical things of escaping temptations and not being around temptations and being proactive before you face temptations. But, but if you're not praying, okay, you either really like being around temptations because you actually like falling into temptation because you actually like feeling and enjoying what temptation brings you. It's either that or, or you just don't want to pray about it because you have weak faith. And that's the lesson here from the disciples. So, again, guys, these guys here we will not see for a while. Judas we won't see. The disciples, they're gone. Right? It's going to be Jesus by himself going to the cross. Again, what's the lesson? You are going to reap what you sow. Whether in your mind, in your heart, what you believe, how you act, how you think about Jesus, about the gospel, about yourself, all of those things have future consequences. It could be eternal punishment. It could be failure. It could be a heart that's trusting in the Lord, or it could be a faith that is super weak, that can't withstand any temptation. So I hope that's helpful for you. Um, again, next Sunday, no Sunday school, right? And, um, and then we will see you guys this Wednesday for our D groups. Okay, let's, let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the examples from these characters. We pray that we, w- we would learn from them. We pray that we would follow Jesus Christ, that we would be prayerful so that we could have hearts that trust you, especially in the midst of temptations and difficulties. And uh, I pray, Father, that if there's any Judas in here covering their unbelief with hypocrisy, I pray that they would confess that and, and be saved today and that they wouldn't be too embarrassed to talk to anybody because they may never get tomorrow. Uh, Help us with our self-confidence. We pray that we would always see that because we always have that, but we pray that we would always see it and forsake it and face things and obey things that you've commanded us to do with your strength, not with ours. Uh, Bless these these, uh, young students as they uh, go to the main service, as they celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and as they celebrate it with their families and friends uh, today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.